Continuing on in our history lesson on the nation of Israel. Uh, today we're going to be dealing with the remnant of Israel. Uh, for people who don't rightly divide, uh, they may not know about the remnant of Israel because they think the church uh, replaced Israel, right? The body of Christ replaced Israel. Uh, but we, who understand the Bible dispensationally and see the difference between prophecy and mystery, uh, understand that there was a difference between Peter's apostleship and the commission he was given and Paul's apostleship and the commission he was given, we understand that Israel is not forsaken of God. Right? Yes, they are set aside. They have stumbled. They are fallen during this dispensation. Uh, but God will still fulfill the promises of the kingdom and him reigning as king in Jerusalem to the nation of Israel. Uh, and so that is where the, uh, the remnant comes in, right? Because it is the remnant that is going to inherit the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so you need to understand in your Bible that there is a remnant of Israel that will get the promises, right? That will uh, get the kingdom, so you have this not only in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. It deals with the remnant of Israel. Uh, so understanding the remnant of Israel, uh, if you go to Leviticus 26, 43-45, Leviticus 26 deals with what we call the if-then of the law. If they kept the law, they would have received the blessings, which it talks about in the first part of Leviticus 26. Um, but if they didn't, then you get the judgment under the law, right, and the curses. Uh, so that is what uh, Leviticus 26 is dealing with. And at the end of the chapter in verse 43, it says, The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despise my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes, and yet for all that... When they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God, but I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen that I might be their God. I am the Lord. So notice there he doesn't say I will not destroy them. He says I will not uh, utterly destroy them. Right, I will not destroy them utterly, meaning I won't destroy all of them. Right, but some will be destroyed. Some will be judged right, uh, within Israel, but not all of them, which means what? You have a group of people and you judge 75%. What is the 25% called? A word would be the remnant of the group. Right? And that's what remnant means. It's a remnant of what was once whole. Right? Uh, so he will not destroy them utterly. He's not going to destroy all of Israel because of the covenant that he made with them. Right? It's because he made a promise with the nation of Israel that he will not utterly destroy them. If you look at Jeremiah 30, verse 10 to 11. It says, Therefore fear thou not of my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed O Israel. For lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity, 
And Jacob shall return, shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make thee full, a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee. Yet I will not make thee a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. So you see there, I'm going to correct you, right? but I'm not going to uh, forsake you. right? I will bring you back into the land. right? Uh, you will return from your captivity. right? So it's going to be a remnant that returns, uh, which is what we're going to deal with today. There is examples, or an example in 1 Kings 19, of this remnant. in the nation of Israel's history here with Elijah a famous prophet in your Bible in the Old Testament, Elijah uh, in verse 13 it says it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave and behold there came a voice unto him and said what doest thou here Elijah and he said I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nishmi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. It shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. So you see there, Elijah thought he was the only one left, right? He says, I, even I alone, am left, and they seek to take my life, right? They've forsaken you, O oh God. They've forsaken your, uh, your covenant. They've forsaken your statues. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets. And I'm the only one left, is what Elijah says here. And God says, no, i got 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Right? He has a remnant within Israel at this time that still trusted in God. Right? So you see this example here with Elijah that there is a remnant who trusts in God. Right? A remnant of Israel. Look at Isaiah 1, 9 through 10. Except the Lord of hosts hath left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been likened to Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. So he's referring to the nation of Israel as Sodom and Gomorrah. But you see there, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. Right? We should have been as Sodom and Gomorrah. But what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were utterly destroyed. Right? Iron brimstone came down and destroyed the city. And Isaiah says, except the Lord left of hosts left us a remnant, we would have been like them, right? Because they were judged for their sin, but God left a remnant, right? Even in their judgment. So you have these examples in their history. Uh, and then it's all throughout prophecy, Isaiah 10, 16 through 22. Uh, there's prophecies about a remnant, right? A remnant of Israel. 
Here it says, Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness, and under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire, and the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame, and it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. It shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body, and they shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth. And the rest of the trees of his forest shall be few, that a child may write them. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, and such as are escaped out of the house of Jacob, shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though, uh, for that, though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return, the consumption decree shall overflow with righteousness. So you see there this prophecy of judgment, right, coming from the Holy One and fire, judgment and fire. Uh, but yet a remnant will return and will stand upon the Holy One in Israel, right? So it says, though your number be the sand of the sea. So again, this large number of people, a remnant is what returns, right, into the city. So you have prophecy speaking of this. Ezekiel 6, verse 7 and 9. says, And the slain shall fall in the midst of you, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Yet will I leave a remnant, that ye may have some that shall escape the sword among the nations, when ye shall be scattered through the countries. So here you have, again, a remnant that returns. Right? They're scattered through the nations, and it's a remnant that returns, not the whole nation. Joel 2, 28-32. As it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on my name, on the name of the Lord, shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem, shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So this is where we understand that Pentecost in Acts 2 is not part of the mystery, right? Because it's prophesied here in Joel, and it's dealing with end times. And what you have here is after the Spirit is poured out, then you have the signs of the end of the times and the judgment, right? And fire and brimstone. Uh, being poured out on the wicked, uh, and during that time, it's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be delivered, and that deliverance is found where? In Zion, in Jerusalem, uh, in, the, in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, so again, it's a remnant that is saved right through that judgment that enters into the city of Zion. Zechariah eight eleven through 12. Says, but now I will not be unto the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. 
For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. So he's talking about a time when he's going to be blessing them uh, versus the former days when he has judged them. All right, there's going to be a time of blessing, but it's the remnant of this people that possess these things. It's not the whole nation. Right? It's a remnant of the nation that possesses these blessings. Okay? In 2 Kings 19, verse 30 through 31... 2 Kings 19 deals with judgment, and this is Isaiah prophesying, starting in verse 6. And he's dealing with judgment, and judgment is going to happen to Israel. And in verse 30, he says, And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, shall do this. So what you have here is a prophecy that a remnant will return after judgment, right? Uh, so you have a remnant that is taught all throughout prophecy. It's taught throughout Israel's history, and it's prophesied that the remnant returns after judgment, right? You saw this in a lot of the uh, passages that we just read. And so going back to our lesson last week where we were putting in context all of your uh, the prophets, right, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Ezra, and Nehemiah are about a remnant returning to Israel after they were taken into captivity. Right, so you had the Assyrian captivity of the northern ten tribes and then the Babylonian captivity of the southern two tribes because the kingdom had split. Uh, and then Haggai, Zechariah are prophesying for the people to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple, right, and rebuild the city. And Ezra and Nehemiah are the people that are doing that right, and making that happen. Uh, so that's what that time period is about. In Jeremiah 23, 1-4, it was prophesied that when they were taken into captivity, they would return after 70 years. Jeremiah 23, 1-4 says, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you evil for your doing, saith the Lord, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, saith, uh, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So you have him uh, prophesying that they will be returned. And if you look at chapter 25, verse 11 through 12, it says, And the whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. So you have here that... They're going to return. Jeremiah prophesies that they will return. And he says that Babylon is going to be judged after 70 years. Right? And so this judgment for them to serve the Babylonians is for 70 years. Right? And after that 70 years, they would return back to their land. Uh, the return happens through the Persian Empire. 
right? So Babylon's destroyed by the Persians, the Medes and Persians, uh, and they take over the reign, and that is the reign or the empire of which the remnant returns. Uh, kings that are mentioned are Ezra, Darius, and Artaxerxes. Uh, in Ezra 6.14. Ezra says, The elders of the Jews built it, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet uh, and Zechariah the son of Iddo, and they built it and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Right? So it's through this Persian Empire that the nation returns to rebuild the temple. Uh, Cyrus was actually prophesied before he was ever born that he would allow the nation to return. So again, you think about proof that the Bible is true. Well, you have prophecy is one way that you know the Bible is true because things are told before they ever happen. Right before a person's ever born, it's told. Right, and then it comes to pass. Well, how can a man know that? We can unless it's revealed to him from God. And so here in Isaiah 44, verse 28, it says that frustrateth the tokens, sorry, this verse 25, it says that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, who right hand I have held to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have been called, I have called, uh, even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. So you see this prophecy of Cyrus, that God is going to use Cyrus to allow his people to return. Right? And again, you go back to our context. This is why it's important to know when your prophets were written, the timeline. Isaiah is one of the first, right, during uh, Hezekiah's reign in Isaiah, right, in Amaz. Um, which is way before they're taken into captivity, right? Isaiah dies before they're taken into Babylonian captivity. And the Persians don't come until after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, right? And that's when Cyrus is king of Persia. So this prophecy is years before it ever happened, right? Uh, so again, it's important to know that, to understand that your Bible is true, right? It's inspired by God. If you look at verse 13 of Isaiah 45, it says, I have raised him up, still speaking, speaking of Cyrus, uh, in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. Right, so he's just going to let them go and build their city. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 36, verse 22 through 23. says, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, 
For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. So you see there, the land was desolate for 70 years, threescore and ten years, which was the 70 years that we just read about in Jeremiah. Uh, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people. The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. So you see there, Cyrus says that the Lord God of heaven gave me a commandment, right, to allow Israel to go and build their city. And so just freely, as it was prophesied, right, he won't do it for a price. Um, he just freely says, who is there of the Jews, right, among you of all this people, the Lord God be with him and let him go up. Right, so freely go, go back and build your city, is what Cyrus declares. Uh, and so it was prophesied that Cyrus would do that. You see it happening. Uh, Haggai and Zechariah, as we looked at last week, they prophesied during Darius's reign. And you know this from Haggai 1, verse 1, where it says, uh, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet. Uh, and then the same thing for Zechariah. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah. All right, so they're prophesying during the reign of Darius, who was the next Persian king. Um, and then you have Artaxerxes. Uh, so Artaxerxes was king when Nehemiah, uh, during the book of Nehemiah, look at chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. It says, it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste? And the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what doest thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. And moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber, to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Alright, so it's King Artaxerxes who allows Nehemiah to go back and... Uh, help build the wall, right, and build the city and the temple. Uh, so those are the three Persian kings that you see God use uh, to allow a remnant to return and rebuild the city. Uh, Ezra was a priest and a scribe, and he established the law back in the land. So that was what Ezra uh, was doing in his role. 
Uh, you know he's a priest and a scribe because the scripture says he was. In Ezra 7.11, it says, Now this is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra the priest, the scribe, even a scribe of the words of the commandments of the Lord and of the statutes to Israel. All right, so you see there, Ezra the priest, the scribe. All right, Ezra was a priest, he was a scribe. He established the law back in the nation of Israel. If you look at Nehemiah 8, 1 through 8, It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood uh, Mattathiah, and Shema, and Ananiah, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Masiah in his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place, so they read in the book and the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and called them to understand, caused them to understand the reading. So that's what you have here. Ezra, again, being the priest and scribe, is establishing the law. That's what's happening here. Uh, they build a pulpit, which is not something he stands behind. It's something he stands on, right? It's a platform so that the people can see him. Uh, and he reads the law of Moses. And it says he read from morning till midday, right? So a very long sermon um, that Ezra, right? He reads the law. The people are attentive. And then you have the other priests with him that are helping the people to understand what the law says. Right? They cause them to understand what was read by Ezra. Uh, so they're establishing the law back in the nation is what's happening here. Right? So Ezra was that priest, the scribe. He established the law in the land. Nehemiah was governor, and he established rule. So if you look at Nehemiah 12, verse 26 through 27, it says, These were in the days of Joachim, the son of Jeshua, the son of Josedach, in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest, the scribe. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. Uh, so you see here, Nehemiah was the governor, right? And Ezra was the priest and the scribe. And Nehemiah helped to establish order, right? It says he had the Levites come, right? Make sure y'all are keeping the law. Uh, make sure you come and do what the law says. Uh, and so that's what Nehemiah did, right? He kind of took charge of the rebuilding of the city, the rebuilding of the wall, and he was a governor at that time. Uh, so that was his role. Haggai and Zechariah, they prophesy about Zerubbabel and Joshua, who were uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah. I think he's referred to as Jeshua. 
but they were instrumental in rebuilding the temple and the city. Look at Haggai 1, verse 12 through 14. Says, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people did fear before the Lord. Uh, verse 14, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So you can see there, right, the Spirit is moving upon the remnant, is what it said there. Right? It wasn't all of the nation that came back and built the temple and uh, the city. Uh, it was a remnant that returned. Uh, if you look at Ezra 1, 1 through 5, it gives you the number here in Ezra of everyone that returned. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people, if his God be with him, and let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel? He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver, and with gold, and with goods, and with beasts, besides the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. So you see there, then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites. Uh, with all them whose spirit God had raised up to go back. So it wasn't all the nation, it was those who stood up and went back, who God's spirit moved upon to go do it. In Ezra 2, 1 through 2, it says, Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those who had been carried away from uh, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, everyone unto his city. Right, so it's going to give you the list of people who return. Uh, and at the end, at verse 64, it says, The whole congregation together was 40 and 2,303 score, besides their servants and their maids, of whom were 7,000, uh, and there were among them 200 singing men and singing women. So a little over 50,000 right, people that returned. So that was just a remnant of the nation before. Okay, you probably had multiple millions, right, before they were taken into captivity, and it's 50,000 that returned. Um, so again, you think about America. America's not Israel, right, not to make that mistake, but there's how many hundred million people in the United States if we were all taken captive and only 50,000 returned? Right, it's a small number. It's a remnant of everyone that lives in the United States. Uh, and so that's who returns back to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city. It's a remnant. Right? So you have this 
in prophecy. You have an example of it in Israel's history. Um, but it's going to happen again. Okay. Because God made a promise. And he's going to keep his promise. Uh, and we'll look at it a little more next week, but not all of prophecy is fulfilled in this remnant returning. Right? Because some people would say that. Right? Well, the remnant already returned. Right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, they were talking about this. They were talking about Ezra and Nehemiah and that remnant returning. Uh, but we're going to look at Jesus in the remnant now uh, because Jesus talks about a remnant. Right? And he's after Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and then, of course, there's prophecies that we'll look at next week that aren't yet fulfilled. Uh, so it was not a complete fulfilling of the remnant returning and taking the land. Uh, because the prophecies talk about a king sitting in Jerusalem. Right? They were still under the Persian Empire. And then after the Persians, it was the Romans. Right? They've never yet been established as a kingdom. Okay? Uh, so that remnant returning was not a remnant returning to inherit a kingdom. Uh, Jesus came to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, is what it says in Romans 15.8. Uh, it says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Isaiah 11, verse 1. In verse 11, it says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse 11, It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, and from Egypt, and from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Uh, so you see there, uh, he will have his remnant return a second time. So it's two times that the remnant returns according to this verse. Uh, so they do it, again, with Ezra and Nehemiah, but there's a second time that it will happen. And, of course, the, the stem, the branch of Jesse, is Jesus Christ, right? It's the Messiah. It's the Christ. Uh, and so he came to confirm the promises to the fathers. Uh, he also came to cause division. Uh, within the nation, okay, so not just he liked to divide people. He came to cause division within the nation, division from the unbelievers and the believers. Uh, and the believers is going to be that remnant, right, that would inherit the kingdom. Luke 12, 51 through 53, he says, uh, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell ye nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, two against three, the father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So you have here division, right? Uh, because of who believes and who doesn't. Right? It's causing division within Israel's own nation. Uh, there was already division between Jew and Gentile right, under the law, but now there's going to be division between believing Israel and unbelieving Israel. Uh, Matthew 10, 31 through 38. So again, understanding the Old Testament can help you understand some of the parables. Uh, 
you see this is the right passage. It's the same thing here where he says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall, they, shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Right, so same thing there, right? You can't love your father more than me. You can't love your mother more than me, right? So that's where the division comes from, right? Why are you following that man? It's because he's the Christ, right? And then you have that argument. He's not the Christ, right? In those arguments between the Jews, right? He came to cause division between believing and unbelieving Israel. Uh, he also promised the kingdom to a nation that bore the fruits thereof. So Matthew 21 33 through 43. Uh, this is the parable I was thinking of a while ago. He says, Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, and digged a wine press in it, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. In the time the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. And he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. And when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen. We shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which is which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Right? And so uh, this parable is against the Pharisees, right? The scribes, unbelieving Jews. Right? They're going to kill the son the heir, right? They're going to kill Christ. And so he asked them in the parable, what is the um, owner of the vineyard going to do to the husbandman that killed his son? Well, he's going to destroy them uh, and give the vineyard to other servants that are going to take care of it. He says the same is true for you, right? I'm going to take the kingdom from you and destroy you and give it to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And so again, this is a verse where people go to to say, God's going to take the kingdom from Israel and give it to Gentiles. No, he's going to take the, the kingdom from the nation of Israel as a whole and give it only to the remnant, right, to the believing. Uh, because he doesn't say, I'm going to give it to the nations bringing forth the fruits thereof, but to a nation, singular. Right? The promise is to Israel. It's to uh, the covenants with Israel. Right? But it's only believing Israel that gets the kingdom. Right? It's only a remnant that gets the kingdom. Okay, so again, this is what we see in Israel's history. Uh, Matthew 3, 8 through 10. John the Baptist 
talks about those who don't bear fruit are going to be cut off. He says, Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees, therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hung down and cast into the fire. Right? So the same thing there. If you don't bear the good fruit, you're going to be cut down and thrown in the fire. Luke 12, 32. Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right, so very clear here, the little flock are his disciples, right? those who followed him. Uh, they're Jews right, who are following him. And he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Right? Because these were the Jews that were bearing fruit, right? that were following Christ, that believed in Christ. Those are the ones that are going to get the kingdom. That's the remnant of Israel, right, that would get in. Uh, so you see Jesus, right, in his ministry deals with this remnant, right? He didn't come to bring the kingdom to the nation of Israel as a whole, but to those who would believe, to those who would bear the fruits, right, to the remnant of Israel. Uh, so Ezra and Nehemiah are not the fulfilling of all prophecy, right? Uh, Daniel 9 gives the 70 weeks in the time frame, right, of the 70 weeks of Israel's history, and that's not yet fully been fulfilled, right? You've heard it talked about before. You still have the last week, right? That seven-year tribulation. Uh, John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus himself says, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe ye in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Right? And so Jesus himself says, I'm going to leave and come back. Right? And that's when I'm going to receive you unto myself. Um, and so that has to do again with when he comes to set up his kingdom. Right? That's when he will receive the remnant, the little flock, into the kingdom. Uh, so again, important to understand that uh, because a lot of people feel like don't, right? They don't understand the remnant. Uh, and so that's why they confuse some of the verses in your New Testament that deal with the remnant, right? Uh, because they think it's distinguishing or uh, the remnant is Gentile somehow because of the way it's worded, right? Given to a different nation, right? A people which were not a people are now the people of God. That's not Gentiles, right? That's Jews. That's Israel. Uh, we saw that last week with uh, the prophecy uh, in Hosea. So... Uh, with that, any thoughts or questions?